Um, so I'm excited. I asked Ezra if he would speak with me this morning, and uh, he's like my favorite person to speak with. So um, I speak with you all the time. He does speak with me all the time. It's true, uh, but in this sort of setting, we're, yeah. we're inviting you into this. <laughs> um, I was thinking about the words that we were just singing. I surrender all. And when we put our faith and our trust and our belief in Jesus Christ, in theory, that's what we're doing. We're surrendering all. But how much more difficult is that in practice, right? There are things we still kind of hold on to. And um, so what we want to talk to you about this morning is trusting in the Lord. Um, Do you guys, I'm going to, I'm just going to believe in my, my mind that I'm not the only one who struggles with trust. Um, do you guys struggle with trust? Yes? Okay. So maybe with finances, with your kids, uh, with your education, relationships, with your physical health, with your safety, um, your future plans, these are areas a lot of times that we can struggle with, with trust. I want to share uh, one of my favorite verses, one of the f- first verses that I really committed to memory. Um, I don't remember how far back. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. I, I memorize it with, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make So, mm-hmm. same idea. Um, so, when Ezra and I were first married, back in 1999, um, uh, I was the one that was in charge of the finances, Um, I was more of a saver and Ezra was more of a spender. And so it just um, made sense that I would handle the financial stuff and and he would not. Um, Neither of us were really extreme. I wasn't like an extreme saver and he wasn't an extreme spender. It's just that was our kind of natural tendency. So naturally it just made sense that I would handle financial stuff. And... um, and it wasn't really that dramatic because there wasn't really a lot of money to spend. So I had sort of a lilies of the field mentality about Yeah. So, well, and just for a little history, when we got married, I was 19 and Ezra was 21. So, yeah, there just wasn't a lot of, we weren't like rolling in the dough or anything. We were just barely out of high school, getting started. Um, both of us were in college at the time. Um, I'm still in college. Uh, but... Uh, A year after we got married, Ezra told me that he wanted experience in managing the finances for a while. And we went over all the bills together, and um, we talked about, like, how much goes where, the timing of it all, all that kind of stuff. And it made me super nervous, uh, because I was afraid, like, Ezra would come home with a new longboard, and um, our PG&E bill wasn't going to be paid or something. Um, so it was something that I, I had a really hard time with, but I heard him and he wanted that experience. And so we went through everything all together and um, handed everything over to Ezra. And I would check in on our financial situation literally every day. And I wanted to make sure that things were being handled, that bills were getting paid. And um, everything was pretty much going really smooth. Um, the more I saw that he was taking care of things and keeping things in order, I went from asking him um, daily to asking him weekly, getting a recap. And then over time, it went from weekly to monthly. And from monthly over time, it became just like quarterly budget meetings that we would have. Uh, And then, I mean, fast forward to now, it's just kind of turned into as needed. I'll kind of ask about stuff. Um, 
Having a sense of control in our lives gives us uh, stability and safety. It's natural. It's natural for us to want to have a sense of control. In our finances, I was able to feel stability when I was in control, and passing it on to Ezra made me feel unstable for a time. But once I knew that things were under control, um, there was that sense of stability again. And um, I didn't need to be in charge. It didn't have to be my control. I just needed to know that it was in control. And over time, I saw that um, it, was, it was totally in control. And um, Probably helped that I didn't mess anything up. He did not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so think about areas of your life where you might feel worry, insecurity, or a lack of understanding. Um, do you withhold those areas from God? The God who created you is the God that loves you, and he wants the very best for you in your life. He's worthy of our trust, but sometimes that's really, really hard to just hand over. God tells us to trust in his promises. Um, if you don't have notes, there are notes this morning if you're interested in them. Um, I think they're on the back table, or, um, but there are notes for you this morning. God tells us to trust. He tells us to trust in his promises, and he tells us to trust wholly, not partly. Sometimes in life, the actions of others and how they use their free choice can leave us feeling lost and hurt or abandoned. Our life experiences may be shaping our understanding of what trust is. Our security or our love or understanding of those things. We can be honest with God about our fears and our hesitations. A lot of times I think that um, we kind of get in this mindset that we have to have it all figured out before we can go to God. And it is the total opposite. God's the one that's going to help us figure it out. So um, he can handle our fears. He can handle our hesitations. He can handle the things that we worry about. And we can be honest with him. He already knows anyway. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At every age and stage in life, this verse is very appealing. God's promi God promises that he is trustworthy, that he will teach us, and that he is our faithful resting place. And that's an encouragement. God tells us to lean on his ways, not our own. We have someone bigger than ourselves to lean on. Sometimes we lean on someone and they step away and they leave us to fall. We can't control everything, and that can be really, really scary. But when life doesn't make sense, we aren't called to figure everything out. We can lean on the promise that God is God. God tells us to submit. Submission is a really tough word for a lot of us. Um, I think in society especially, it's kind of, uh, it, over time it changes meaning, and our understanding of it changes. And we're going to kind of think about what it means when God says submit. We think of it as oppressive. Submission is oppressive. But when we consider who God is, he's all loving, he's merciful, he's generous. He wants the very thing that we would want for ourselves if we knew everything. And that is not oppression. That is freedom. It would be oppressive for us to hold ourselves back from his love. 
we're, it's a big challenge to submit to the Lord in all of our ways. There might be some categories you're like, yeah, I can, I can submit that to God. That's not too bad. And there's other things where we're saying like, hey, God, I'm okay with you taking this, but we don't feel that, that, um, that freedom or that peace because we never let go of our part. It's like if you, if you tell someone, hey, could you, could you do this task for me? But then you're like, checking. It's still not done. It's not done the way that I would have done it. And hold on, you missed the spot. Then you're really, it's almost more work because you're trying to micromanage that task. But when you can actually trust in the Lord, you're actually letting go of your, your part of it and letting God do the, the big work. That's the whole, my, my yoke what was that last verse? Yoke and burden. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yeah, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So like, if it's not feeling light, then you haven't let go of something there. And so that's kind of your, your way of checking, because, because he, he didn't design this, this to make things harder for us. Some of us just have that, that instinct of just like, if it's not hard, it's not valuable, it's not worth something. And so um, it's, a, it's a different way to live. This is... This is part of how we can be a light to the, to the world. So it, it seems challenging to submit in even just one way at first until we try it out and start to build trust, like Karen was mentioning earlier. When we start to lean on the Holy Spirit rather than our own understanding, we can discover new and possibly unexpected results. When we start to lean on the Word of God and His promises and plan for this world and our lives, there are certain temptations and challenges that simply won't show up for some of us. There's certain things that, like, I mean, sure, my struggles are different than your struggles. We all have different things that we are tempted by. But when you follow the path, you know, that's laid out, you know, in the wisdom of God's Word and listening to the Holy Spirit, um, there's just certain things that you don't come across. Like, when you're driving on the freeway, you you don't hit tumbleweeds in the same way as if you're driving off the road. And so, um, so there's certain things that we can, you know, uh, avoid and just, you know, it doesn't mean that it's easy, but it means that there's not, not unnecessary um, obstacles. And that we uh, will have less confusion and few regrets. There are a few times in this life I've been challenged to do something a certain way, and it seemed like at the time, maybe as a teenager, that I was giving up something. But later in life, I eventually looked back and thanked God that all I really missed out on was regret, disappointment, and pain. I was taught in my teen years in, in youth group and youth camps and things like that uh, to protect my sexual purity, to wait to have sex until after I was married. I was taught about what God thought about sex and that he had a plan for its boundaries. It made sense to me, um, so I made a commitment to God about it and later realized uh, how much pain and regret I was able to avoid by keeping that commitment. Even though I was more challenged, once I knew who it was, I would eventually marry. It's, it's easy when you're like maybe, when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I'm like, yeah, I can be pure. And I can put this little leather strap on and be like, I'll just keep it on, you know, as, as a mark of my commitment. Um, but, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend then either. So, so you know, different, different things. But it's better to make that commitment when you're not in the thick of you know, the, the strongest temptation. And, and I think, you know, I thank God for making my path straight into a great marriage. Uh, many people 
um, that I've talked to have shared with me their regrets that could have been avoided if they knew and embraced God's plan for purity before they acted on what just felt right at the time. So one thing that God does is he makes our paths straight. In Proverbs 3, 6, it states that he will make your path straight if you submit to him. What do you think that means? I imagine fewer uh, tight turns are up ahead for those who submit to him. Are there a lot of dramatic switchbacks on the road that you are on, where you're constantly going off the road? Um, do you find yourself experiencing a hard bump, looking in the rear view mirror, asking yourself, what did I just hit in life? Um, I didn't see that coming. But God sees everything coming. You know, beyond the horizon, God knows before it was ever even created. He sees what we do not see and can let us know where to turn. So the, the, the main thing is to, to learn to trust God. Um, you might start out trying this almost like a test. You're like, well, I don't know. You know, some of us are a little harder to let go of that, you know, the, the whole Jesus take the wheel concept. You're like, but if I let go of the wheel, wait, wait, maybe I want Jesus to grab the wheel and push me away and hold my hands back. And then I'm, I'd rather that happen than, than just being like, Jesus take the wheel kind of a thing. So you might try out like a test just to see if God's promises really can be leaned on, just like a little tiny ways. Um, and then as you know, you you get that sense of like, okay, I was okay, nothing bad happened. Um, there's a couple of verses that come to mind when I bring up the concept of a test. There's many times in the Bible where people have tested God or have asked, you know, for that to happen. And didn't Jesus say not to test God? Yes, when he was asked by Satan to throw himself off a building just to prove that God would rescue him, Jesus answered him in Matthew 4, 7, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. But God also directly invites our testing through the prophet Malachi on at least one topic. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. That's in Malachi 3.10. Printed on many a tithe envelope <laughs> in church history. And when God spoke to Gideon, who was afraid and unsure that he could be used for such a mission, he, was asked, for a, he asked for a sign as a test, and God just went with it. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground around it covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry, and the ground was covered with dew. Judges 6, 36 through 40. That seems pretty bold. You're like, okay, God, you did this miracle. Now let's do it the other way around. Let's, you know, like it's, he's really being scientific with this. Um, after you try out leaning on God's promises and learn that they are able to be trusted, you can take new decisions and just go with God's plan first. And later on, you will be glad that you avoided the bumps and slowdowns of going through life the hard way. 
Maybe you already went through a significant portion of life the hard way and feel like you can offer guidance and encouragement to others to do things better and avoid the setbacks you experienced. Um, so Ezra and I, whenever we've had kids, uh, our kind of philosophy or thought in naming our kids is that they already have a name and we're just praying to God to ask what that name is. So we didn't really see it as like we're naming our children. We're trying to discover God's name for our children. And um, Zion was our first girl. You may have um, heard this story before. Uh, we were actually just talking about it yesterday or the day before. I don't remember. It's all a blur. Um, we're on summer break, so I don't know the days anymore. Uh, but we were just talking about this. Zion, um, she's our first girl. And we were kind of going back and forth on what to name her. We weren't sure. And we had this kind of email thread going back and forth between Ezra and I um, that, you know, like we would have like a list of names. And uh, that's where our important discussions are always in writing. <laughs> it's true. Um, or most of our discussions start with uh, I was listening to a podcast. Oh, yeah. And uh, but this one was an email discussion between the two of us where we just kind of had a list of names going back and forth um, and we'd been praying about it and I had a dream and in the dream I saw a, a mountain and it was dark and there was kind of like the silhouette of a mountain and I saw um, Zion written and uh, so the next morning I kind of like on the email thread with Ezra I kind of sandwiched it in between some other names because um, I didn't I didn't like the name so uh, I just kind of squeezed it in there and hoped that he wouldn't, like, say anything about it. But his email reply was, where did Zion come from? He said, I, I like that. That's a strong name. That is a, girl not to, that is a girl that's not to be messed with, and I want that for my daughter. And I was like, oh, well, I actually I had this dream. And um, I told him about the dream, and he was like, you didn't want to lead out with that? <laughs> you couldn't lead with that. Yeah. I, you know, like, hello, it sounds like God kind of gave you this and you know, name, and I was like, yeah, but I kind of don't like that name. <laughs> so uh, the next night I was praying and I told God um, that I didn't like this name, that it just felt, I don't know, it just didn't seem right, it didn't fit. And um, so in praying I said, God, if this is the name you want for our daughter, could you please make me like this name? Because of course I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and you gave me like this clear image of what it's supposed to be, so um, your will, not mine, but can you make me like it? Can we at least like have that um, little compromise there? And so I had a dream again that night, and I saw the same image where I saw the mountain, and I saw Zion's um, name written, and um, underneath it I saw a scripture reference. I was We were just talking about this yesterday, too, that um, sometimes God will give me dreams, and the way that I'm able to kind of discern for me, you know, God speaks to us individually and uniquely and personally. One of the ways I'm able to tell the difference between when God's given me a dream and when it's my own brain kind of like defragging and whatever, working out its own stuff, uh, is that in the dreams that are manufactured by my own thoughts, um, I can't read. So I can't like... Like, I'll know what stuff says, but I can't actually read something. Um, dreams that come from God, I can read. So um, I had that image where I saw Zion written. And um, this next night, I saw underneath that same image, underneath her name, I saw Psalm 50, verse 2. And so the next morning, I go to look it up. And I'm thinking I'm going to see, like, some 
rando verse about like there have never been such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt or something. And instead, I see the verse, Psalm 50, verse 2 says, from Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. And I was taken aback. It took my breath away because I thought, oh, I'm get a little teary-eyed. Um, this isn't just a physical beauty. This is a beauty of the heart. And I was immediately in love with this name because this is what I wanted for our daughter. I wanted God to just shine forth from her. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a, an experience that I got to, that God gave me about, you know, trusting him and what he's doing in, in, in his work. So, hearing these stories of, uh, you know, miraculous answers to prayer or God just, like, showing up and speaking to someone verbally or something like that, um, can be can in some ways be sort of envy inducing you're like oh I want God to do that I want God to just like slap a fleece down on my porch and like say here's what you need to do today I want, I want just like to get the special in, email inbox from God where he just says like here's what you got to do today Ezra and then I'll be saying good job my faithful son um, but God doesn't want us to manipulate him to do many miracles every single day just to bolster our faith because that's not really what faith is it's not just like a dot to dot you know following you know miracle by miracle um he'll he'll do that from time to time just to kind of encourage us and kind of spark us on um get us through uh some down down spots but in matthew 16 1 it says the pharisees and sadducees came to jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven and Jesus did not perform a miracle to answer the proud demands of Pharisees and Sadducees. He knew their hearts. And he also knows our hearts. And just like he did with Gideon, sometimes he helps us out when, he, when we hear his message to us. Believe he can do it, but still have some doubt. And we're earnestly seeking the truth about his will. And so just, I just think about that. Like, that don't box God and say, this is the way that he's always going to answer. He did this for Gideon, so he's going to do it for me. And if he doesn't, then maybe he's not really there after all. Like, that's not really, um, you know, trusting in the Lord and leaning, leaning on him. So that shift that we um, made in managing our finances was over 20 years ago. Um, and it was one of the best decisions that we ever made. Um, Ezra and I learned something really important through that, through that shift. So while I was really good at money management... Ezra is truly gifted. Um, had I let my worries and my concerns be the driving force in who is handling our account balances, we wouldn't be in the financial situation that we are now. Um, had I stayed in charge all of these years, I think that we would be in a good place. Um, but with God's gifting, Ezra's placed us in a position to thrive. Um, we've chosen to make some decisions that have kept things financially tight over the years. Um, but we keep our eyes on a common goal. Um, early on, this shift was something that absolutely challenged my trust. I wanted to operate based on my own understanding. But Ezra was wise, he was faithful, and he communicated really well with me. He answered the questions that I had um, all along the way as we made that transition. My worry and concern turned into security and trust. When we trust our own understanding above God's, we're limiting ourselves. It's not God and all of his rules that are oppressive. It's us. 
So maybe your thoughts and your feelings will keep you in a good place, but is it really the best place? We also need to consider who else we might be limiting if we don't trust in um, God with all of our hearts. Whose gifting are we stifling? Are we robbing someone else of growth opportunities when we're filling a spot that we shouldn't be in? Um, Here are three questions for you to think about. Where do I struggle with trust? Who, aside from myself, is impacted by my difficulty with trust? Because our lack of trust doesn't just affect us. Who can I talk to about my struggle that can offer wisdom, insight, and prayer? Yeah, that third question, who can I talk to about my struggle that can offer wisdom, insight, and prayer? I find it's, it's a really valuable skill to be able to identify people that are further along in life that we look up to. And um, if you can't find those people, maybe you're not hanging around all the right people. Um, that doesn't mean we can hang around. We don't hang around other people, but but look for people that that you can ask um, for perspective from. People that have been through um, similar struggles. Um, I think a lot of times with with even like uh, things like parenting, you know, when we've struggled with like how do we manage this or this is so hard, um, you know, just talking to some people, an older couple that you know has kids that seem like they turned out okay we just talked to them and be like hey what what did you guys do whatever and they and they would encourage us with stuff like saying this is this is a season this isn't forever and just you know just kind of encouraging us to say like we can we can make it through this this chapter everything's different there's a lot of variety in life and um and having that perspective really helps you to kind of get through when you know the finish line is just around the corner for whatever this chapter is so karen has really used me as an example to illustrate her challenge to let go of something she was handling and trust me to be able to do it and not mess it up. At the time, I wasn't sure how well I would do with the tasks she was already doing, but I felt God was challenging me to get more involved in the area of personal finances. You know, if you have one person that's doing all the studious adding and whatever, and I'm just free to just be like, ah, I think I want to buy this. We've got this much money in our account. Let's spend it, you know? (laughs) It's not the healthiest, most mature way of doing things. Um, but God honored us both as we submitted to his specific will for us. You know, that can change, you know, over time. You might have something you feel you are handling on your own just fine. You're like, things are getting done. I can do this. Um, but God may have a different plan, something to stretch you, stretch others, um, which includes giving up some level of control in one area or maybe multiple. Maybe you're afraid to do something in a way that God wants. So let's review one of my favorite passages in Scripture. So it's uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. We're going to read that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Let's pray together. I want you to ask God to reveal that area of control in prayerful silence. And then if you get a sense of confirmation or a particular word comes to your mind, write it down on your paper. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. 
for challenging us all in different ways so that we can lean on your promises, we can lean on your encouragement, and on other believers who uh, would encourage us to, to yield to your will, whatever that may be, specifically or generally. Help us um, reveal to us what the area is that we're holding on to too tightly, that we're leaning on too much of our own understanding or the understanding of the culture around us. And help us to be able to release that and lean on you fully. And I ask that as we start to do that in small ways that you would bless us um, and bless those decisions uh, to encourage us to lean even more on you in all the other areas of our life. That as we do that corporately, that this, this body will act more like the body you design it to be, that we would be running with health and vitality and um, that your will would be done on earth, that everyone around us would get a glimpse of your kingdom as it already is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you guys ever... Um tried putting a kid into a car seat that didn't want to go into a car seat. So, yeah, they're like intensely strong. I don't know where it comes from, but why do we do it? For their safety, right? Sometimes I picture that we are that kid and God's like, let me strap you in. And we're like, no. Um, But it's for our safety. So when we submit to an all-powerful, all-loving God, who wants the very, very best for us, there's actually freedom, not oppression. So may you go out this week and find the ways that you're struggling with trust and understanding that God just wants you to strap in and be safe. And uh, may he reveal those things to you and may you find freedom in his big, big love. Amen? Amen.